Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed you're joining us. Scott Wright is back with us again today. Scott's been teaching us about the different ages of the church and significant things, Bible history, what it has to say about Israel. And since the war started uh, in Israel back on October 7th, Scott's come on every week or so just to get us caught up, so to speak, on the current situation, both in the natural and in the spirit and what's happening in Israel, how it relates to Bible prophecy and all that. And today, we're going to take some time to discuss, I guess you could say, the background of Israel and how it relates to what we see happening today. So with that being said, help me welcome back to the program, Scott Wright. Scott, it's great to have you back on today, buddy. Bob, it's great to be here and uh, looking forward to another fruitful discussion. Amen. Well, let's start with this. I know everything is in God's timing and on his plan, but why do you believe the first coming of Jesus, we'll start there, happened when it did? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, I think I was actually, I've been praying about that, studying it, researching, and and also obviously with the background of history that I have and studying some of that time period, Here's what we have to understand is that there were really three components that show us why Jesus came when he did and why God sent Jesus at that time, however you want to think of that. Mm -hmm. Basically, what happened was is that Rome had become so vast and had expanded and it also was able to connect their empire, unlike any other empire in the history of the world had at that point is that it made it possible for Christianity to spread. They called it the way at that time. It was called the way, but it, it gave that possibility. So that's number one. Rome was in a position where the structure was there for it to spread fast and wide, and even beyond the Roman Empire, which during the persecution of the church, especially during the Second Age, that will happen. And that will also be due to the fact of the expansion of the Roman Empire. That's the first one. Okay. The second reason is because Israel was on the brink of total collapse. And I don't know if they totally understood that that was what was going to happen, but God did. Matter of fact, Jesus predicted it. I mean, he told them the temple, not one stone would be left on another. Yeah, He already gave them that prophecy. But part of that was knowing God, God knows he knew when Israel was going to completely collapse. So it had to be done before that happened. Mm, amen. And so Jesus came and about 35 years later, all the rebellions start and then the destruction of Israel starts. And so you can kind of think of it as the mid six sixties ish from that point till about one thirty six is the disintegration of the nation of Israel. The final rebellion will be put down by the Emperor Hadrian in 136 AD. He will die in 138 AD. And once he dies, that flips the second to the second age of the church. So the, the final Jewish rebellion is put down in 136. But all of that starts in the mid-60s. Well, Jesus came in the 30s. Well, that gave Christianity time to, to spread and to expand even with the Jewish population of that time. That's the thing to remember. And, and Jesus 
you know, God, even though God knows what will happen and how you'll react, he still gives you an opportunity. He still gave Israel a last opportunity because he knew this was it for them to, to, and it really goes back to his parable. You know, he keeps sending his servants, they keep beating them. And he said, well, if I send my son, then they'll listen and they'll right. do what I need them to do. Well, they didn't. Instead, they killed him. And so, and then they, of course, Jesus asked them, what would the father do? Well, he'll get rid of those wretched people. Well, that's exactly, you know, God allowed that to happen. Yeah. So that's why Jesus came at that time in history is because Israel was getting ready to disintegrate. But then there's a third reason. And this one is both in biblical prophecy and into the future and in the past. And here it is. God gave the law to Moses, and most people think of the law as just the Ten Commandments. But there's more to it than the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's the entire structure of how God created a society and a culture to completely represent him and glorify him to the world. Israel thought they got to a point of thinking that they weren't just the one that hosted God to the world, but that they were the special society that had God's favor and that no matter what should be just given God's favor. Mm. You know, they kind of, they kind of got to the point. They thought they were the it. Yeah, they did. And that happened. And is, and then of course, you know, we go through the whole, you know, whole time period after judges all the different kings and all that stuff that did not go well, which God told them it would not go well. And their society started to collapse. And what I mean by collapse is that it started to fall apart and away from what God had originally designed it. Matter of fact, when Jesus is walking through the temple and he's turning tables and, and um, basically running all the vendors out and everything out of the temple, what that really was a representation of is that Jesus was telling them, you have completely, and he kept telling the Pharisees this, you've completely walked away from what my father set up here. Yeah, You're not doing what you're supposed to do. This isn't his setup. And I mean, it, it's in simple terms, in layman's terms, this isn't the gig that he signed, that God signed up for. This yeah. isn't the way he designed it. Yeah, And Israel had completely abandoned that. They had all these different factions. They had these different belief systems going on in these different factions that were controlling society. It was chaotic for the people. And it was not a representation of God to the world the way God designed it. And Israel was not going going to come back at that point. And God yeah. knew that. I, and I that is the it. real reason that he sent Jesus at that time. Now, we already knew from the Old Testament that Jesus was going to come at some point. Right. to save us from our sins, you know, like, like the blood of goats and bulls could really save us. Right. right. I mean, come on, you know, it took the blood of perfection to save us, the real lamb. And that is the lamb of God who is Jesus Christ. There is no other way to salvation. We know that part, but the timing of it was that right there. God had given them their chance at that point. But even on top of that, to give you an idea of how much God loves Israel, he still, in the Old Testament, said even after that after that part of it, even after Jesus comes and you reject him, 
I'm still going to restore you at a later date. So I think that's important to note too, that God still wants Israel to live up to what he designed them to do. And eventually they will. This is eventually going to happen. Well, why, did, so, why do you think God chose Israel? Yet everything's happened to Israel. It sure doesn't look and seem like they're his people, right? Well, it all goes back to Abraham. Abraham was faithful. Abraham was faithful. I'm not saying he was perfect because he wasn't. We can read about his imperfections and his imperfect decisions, but he was faithful to God. That's why it was through his seed that it was chosen. So if you think about it, we have, you have Adam and Eve, but then you have Noah, the three sons of Noah. Well, then you have that seed, you know, the DNA, mm -hmm. the genealogy, however you, Abraham's the one that proves faithful. Yeah. He is the, still, he is still the father of the nation. Amen. Amen. And that's where it came from. Yeah, amen. You know, we know that, you know, John, uh, the disciple John, as he put it, was the one whom Jesus loved. Uh, I'm sure that was a, maybe a little jab at his fellow disciples there. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> you know, why did John record some of the things that he wrote about Jesus while the others did not? Well, first of all, John, it's part audience. But John had different level of access with Jesus because they had shared a house together as brothers. Mm. You know, I mean, that's the thing we have to remember. They were brothers. And so they were half brothers. And as a result of that, John would have had access to a certain level of information and understanding of Jesus that maybe everybody else didn't have. You know, Jesus is the oldest child. Oh, you know, a lot of times all the other siblings would kind of look up to the oldest child. I get it. And so when that happens, then he he obviously already had a pretty strong understanding of Jesus before he went out into his ministry. And then obviously now he sees it all. And now Jesus is gone. And then he's lived these experiences through the Acts 2 you know, in Acts 2, when they received the whole power of the Holy Spirit and all these other things. So now he has a, maybe a perspective that other people don't have. But here's the thing. His audience is, a, is, is really important here. And it's and, and this has been talked, the Gospel of John has been talked about for a long time in all kinds of different ways. But understand this, John is talking to his fellow Jews. He is. In many ways, he, he's talking He's talking to other people as well, and it still communicates well even to us. But he's really talking to Jews, and what he's showing is that Jesus not only fulfilled all these prophecies, but that Jesus fulfilled the reconciliation of God. And that society, that culture would have understood this. There are things he did not have to explain to them. He could already assume that they knew. What you have to understand about that culture is that these, that everybody was taught inside their families through oral tradition. Right. And they were also taught through during the Sabbath 
their written the written accounts that the priest would give them. But they would also be taught this in oral tradition, and they would have to learn to recite things, talk about things. They understood the temple in a way that, to them, that was salvation. Okay? That's what you have to understand. And so, for instance, Jesus is anointed. Right? Yep. Okay? Jesus claims himself to be the bread of life. Just going to throw out a few of these and just be real quick about this because we have such a short amount of time. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is offering prayers in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he dies. Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. Jesus shares bread and wine right before, that we call it the Last Supper, right before he dies. When Jesus dies, the curtain of the temple is torn in two. Jesus talks to several individuals, including Nicodemus, and basically in the way in their language and the way they would have understood this is that you have to surrender yourself to God and be born again. So everything that I've just mentioned to you actually fulfills a process that you would have had to walk through that the that the, those 10 days, okay, those 10 days leading up to the Day of Atonement. In those 10 days, there's a process that they that Israel would walk through every year to reconcile themselves to God. Mm. And on that last day, the Day of Atonement, the chief priest goes behind the, into the most holy place. He's the only one allowed in there. And he sprinkles the blood up on the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat of God. And then the Shekinah presence of God is to come and rest. And that signifies that Israel is restored, that their sins have been forgiven, and that they are restored. That society, that culture would have completely understood this. And John is speaking to them. And not only John, but you can find it embedded in the other Gospels as well, especially in Mark and Matthew, but even in Luke, even though he's more of a historian, doctor type, a little more intellectual, and it's just a written account, but you see it embedded in there. And what he is speaking to is to the nation of Israel. He's speaking to his Jew Jewish brethren and explaining to them that Jesus fulfilled all those processes to be right. So for you to be reconciled to God, that he literally became each piece and he walked through each piece and he explained each piece in a way that they would have understood. We, we, we like our checklist, our organized, you know, one, two, three, everything in sequential order. And it's not necessarily written in that way, but if you read it from their perspective, this would have definitely said that, which makes John one of two things. It either makes him a prophet himself explaining to them what Jesus is and that Jesus is the son of God, or it makes Jesus a liar and a lunatic, and it makes John delusional yeah. and a blasphemer. There's no other. There's no other route. There's no other option there. You know, you either accept, John is basically, he's either, 
a prophet and a disciple of Jesus, of the true living God, the true living Son of God here, and that Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be, or he's a liar or lunatic. You can't call him a great moral teacher. You can't just call him a prophet. You can't just call him this or that. He is either the Son of God or he's a liar or lunatic. There's no other options. John does not leave that to interpretation. Amen. He doesn't. Amen. He doesn't give you that option. I have a question for you. You said John was the brother of Jesus. I thought John was the son of Zebedee. Um, I thought Jude was the brother of Jesus. James and Jude. Okay, I'll have to research that again. Yeah, yeah. My my fault. Yeah, my fault. So I I've know, always we talk, been we talk that, about so much, but <laughs> yeah, I uh, I've always been taught that John was a half brother of Jesus. I don't know. Maybe that's wrong. Okay, I was taught wrong then. But uh, I'm, I'm just. I'm just putting that out there because I, I was thinking about that. So I thought they said John and James had left their father's boat and to follow Jesus, but you know it could have been other disciples too. But uh, anyway, I wanted to put that out there. <laughs> I'm just gonna look at it. John the son of Jody, the younger brother of James the Great, according to the church tradition. Anyway, while you're looking that up, uh, yeah. Hey, I'll. Uh, I apologize to the crowd. I <laughs> I was always taught that. Yes, <laughs> through my readings and yeah, or not through my readings, but to people that were working with me. So, so why I guess we could say is all of this important to what we see happening in Israel right now, and for the world for that matter. Well, I think the important part of this is, is that Israel has been given, they've been given an assignment. And, and you know, I was thinking a lot about this and praying about this part of it, is that when Israel was given this assignment back on the, on the mountain with Moses, okay, and obviously Abraham, it had been prophesied through Abraham what Israel would become. He understood that. He understood that he was the father of the of many nations and all this other stuff. But when that law is given to Moses, it's also a culture that's given to Moses. All the way through. And then when Israel collapses in 136, completely, the nation had basically already been destroyed, but the last rebellions put down. Then Israel is just scattered to the nations, especially into Europe. And of course, there's all kinds of persecutions and all that stuff, which culminates in the Holocaust. And then eventually the nation of Israel coming back together in 1948. We know that, yeah. right? Right. Here's the thing. God had already prophesied that this is going to happen and that he eventually is going to reset them in the land and for them never to be uprooted again. But it also, if you go into the book of Revelation, and I don't have my notes in front of me on this at this moment, but eventually what happens is that Israel figures it out. They finally figure it out. And they they realize that they missed it and that Jesus is the Messiah. And then, of course, now the return can happen, the second coming. 
and Jesus come back and reestablish his kingdom on earth. Amen. But again, it's going to come back down to that Israel is going to be able to host God, Christ, the son of God to the nations, which yeah. is ultimately, this is of all this, this is the ultimate plan is that it goes right back. You know, we keep talking about the third temple. The third temple is going to be built. We're going to have this period of history. And then through this period of history, we're going to have all this turmoil and that's in the seven year tribulation. But at some point, Israel, the, the people who are still left in Israel are going to figure this out and they're going to realize it. And they're going to finally confess Jesus as Lord. The end's going to come. That seven year tribulation is going to end and Jesus is going to establish that kingdom. And I believe that temple is going to still be a big deal. It's still going to be a big deal. And it's a place where people can come and actually worship Jesus. Amen. You know, remember, that's going to be different than what we understand things as now. Yeah. And, and it doesn't necessarily explain in detail exactly what that's going to look like. So, you know, you can you can speculate all you want. I mean, whatever that looks like. But but something's going to be there with Jesus being magnified and glorified. And he's also going to be the king and the ruler. So the way government works is going to be completely different than what we're used to. Amen. The way we think of government's going to be different. So all of that's just going to be different. So, but we have to understand that Israel was given an assignment. They did not fulfill it the first time. And I believe that in some way, fashion, or form, they are going to fulfill it there. Oh, yeah. Amen. Amen. And that's a day to look forward to for sure. Amen. 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 Scott, this has been so interesting as we continue to discuss, you know, what's happening in Israel and what the Bible has to say about this stuff and prophecy and all that. If someone wants more information or would like to ask you a question, how can they get in touch with you? You bet. It's uh, just email me at gccgodcenteredconcept2038 at gmail.com. Amen. Amen. I'll put all that in the links in the show notes below. Uh, folks, drop down on the show notes. Reach out to Scott. I mean, get in touch with him. Subscribe to his podcast. We haven't even talked about his podcast lately. We can do that one time. And, and just be sure to purchase his journal, the God Setter Concepts, and, and all that he specializes in. And do it right now before you forget about it and, and you know, end up not doing it at all. Just do it now. Don't put it off till later. Scott, Thanks again for coming on the program today, buddy, and sharing all about this with us. I do appreciate your time. All right. Well, hey, thanks for having me on the show, and I look forward to more discussions in the future. You betcha. Till next time, this is Pastor Bob along with Scott Wright, reminding you to be blessed in all that you do.